You're listening to Church on the Path Inspiration Podcast. Brought to you by Holy Fire. And broadcasting from the heart of Brisbane City, Australia. Speaking today is Pastor Glenn Gerhauser. Today's message is entitled, Trust, Trust. And this is the first time I'm sharing a proper message for a long time. It's been many weeks now. So this is what the Lord has been highlighting to me. I mentioned it last week, and I will develop it this week. So the message is entitled, Trust. I'll lead you in a prayer, and then I'll pray. So if we could put our hands on our hearts and pray with me. Dear Jesus, help me to trust in you. Speak to my heart and change my life. In your precious name. Amen. Amen. And Father, I'm asking that this message about trust would go out with a special grace so that we can trust you and that we would realize and have that revelation that you are trustworthy. Take this word and send it into our hearts, into homes and lives and let it bear much fruit. And thank you, Father, that your word is victorious and in your word we find victory. We find the good news and we discover that you are victorious. Amen. Give me the grace to share it. Amen. Trust, trust. So before I get into this, we just have two weeks till Bible school begins. This is the car that Anna designed, love poured out, and our up and coming our upcoming unit is called the Outpouring Unit. It starts the 7th of August. This is 2023, if you're listening to this in the future. 2023, the 7th of August, just two weeks away. Uh, if you can help me spread the word. And also, we are taking registrations right now at holyfireschool.com. So www.holyfireschool.com. And at holyfireschool.com, you can find out more information and you can register. And yeah, help us spread the word. And the, the real exciting thing now is that we have renovated the center. So well, George and Claudia have been renovating the center. It's, it's uh, going to be refreshed. It's a surprise. We're going to be unveiling it in two weeks. And now I have to trust the Lord that it will all get done in the next two weeks. <laughs> So that's, uh, yeah, that's exciting uh, what God has in store for this next season. So let's get into the message here. This was a photo I took while on our annual leave. This is the Sunshine Coast, the Noosa River. And one morning I got up. 
quite early, about 3 in the morning, and went out. This was across from where we were staying, so we, at this place we weren't staying on the water, but we were across the street from the water. And so I walked across, it was still dark, sat on a bench, and had time with the Lord. And what I noticed is that, and you'll notice this if you get out early, is that in the morning the water is very still. The water in the morning is very still, and then as the day goes by, it gets, often this happens, sometimes it's different, but as the day goes by, the water gets more uh, active and uh, vibrant, but in the morning, it's very still. Now here's what Jesus said, John 14, 1. John 14, 1, and... This is the verse that I mentioned last week as well. Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. I'll repeat that one more time. Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. Now, if you see there next to trust, you have the Greek word pistuo, pistuo, which means to trust in. Often it's translated as believe in many uh, Bible versions, but the word believe really doesn't carry the weight of the, the word in the Greek pistuo as well as the Hebrew roots of the word uh, trust. I find that the word trust is a much better expression in English, of what Jesus is saying. And you'll see this in the New, El, uh, the New Living Translation that it uses the word trust and a few others. Uh, trust in God. Now, I bring out that Greek word pistuo. Uh, I am not here to fully develop the, uh, the meaning of this word today, but we will be talking about it more at Bible school this semester. We're going to be learning some Greek. So just as we've been learning Hebrew, we're going to be learning Greek this semester. So that's uh, exciting. Uh, not too much to make, scare you away, just enough to enrich you and that it would be enjoyable. But I just wanted you to see the word, what it looks like there, pistuo. And this is the word for to trust or have confidence in or have faith in. So there, I'll, I'll say it again, trust in God and trust also in me. In John 14, 1, Jesus connects what happens in our hearts with trust. Without trust in God and Him, our hearts are disturbed and agitated. Now, if we go back to there, I want you to see this connection that Jesus makes. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. And how are our hearts not going to be troubled? By trusting in God and trusting in Him. And here we see this theme in the book of John that the Father and the Son are one. That God and Jesus are one. And so Jesus is saying here, in that vein, in that theme that runs throughout the Gospel of John, trust in God, but trust also in me. 
He's not saying we're two different entities. They are one. As we know from the beginning of John chapter 1, verse 1. Don't let your hearts be troubled. So notice the connection between our hearts and trust and how our hearts will be uh, at peace if we trust. And if we do not trust, our hearts will be troubled, disturbed, agitated. I need this as much as everybody else. I say that often when I preach. It's not like my life doesn't have any troubles or Anna and I's lives don't have any troubles. We all have troubles. But here Jesus says, don't let your heart, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. So the answer to the trouble is trust. The answer to the trouble, the solution to the trouble is trust. Without trust in God and Jesus, our hearts are disturbed and agitated. Now, one thing I want to say, good news, uh, is that Anna and I are going to be soon celebrating 24 years of marriage. So it comes up the 31st of July, so the 31st of July. But we're going to be celebrating this week, so I'm taking Anna away for one night. So Tuesday and Wednesday we'll be away because that's the only time we can get the kids to be uh, looked after by Allison. So we all set it up. And so they were praying that there'd be no trouble <laughs> for that 24 hour period. <laughs> yes, 25 years next year. 25 years. We're going to be going down to the Gold Coast, and that's where we were married. We were married on the Gold Coast. So good to go back to where it all started. Now that day, that was interesting day, the 31st of July, 1999. It is also, interestingly, Peter Stagg and Rachel Stagg's anniversary, and they were married on the same day. And pray for Peter. He's got this great new photography studio right coming out of the city. I didn't know where it was. And then we were driving home last week, and I looked to the right and said, in big letters, Peter Stagg Photography. And I was like, yes, Lord, bless him, bless his business. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's really good. Well, they got married at the, that same day. In the, at, I got up really early, and I went to the beach in the morning. That morning, it looked so dark and gloomy. And it looked like it was going to rain uh, re- real bad. And then I, we picked up the paper, and the paper said, today, rain. That's what the paper said, today, rain. So that's what the news report was. We didn't have all these phones and stuff. <laughs> we had those little brick phones, right? The little flip ones. But Anyway, I was out there in the morning, and I was walking the beach and praying before we get married. I said, Lord, just send the clouds away. Let it be bright. Let it be sunny. Let it be shining. And I'll tell you, that's what happened. And then, at the same time, we Grace was doing the same thing. And, and Grace, Grace was doing the same thing. We didn't know Grace at that time. We didn't know Peter and Rachel Stagg. She was doing the same thing. 
So we prayed, the, the clouds left. It was a bright, sunny, beautiful day. And I thank God that God brought, took the trouble of the, the rain away. Not to say that if it would rain, that it would be the end of the world. But it was on my heart that it would be like a, a lovely, lovely day. And, and it was in answer to prayer. And contrary to what the newspaper reported that day, rain, all day rain. <laughs> Trust gives tranquility to the troubled heart. Trust gives tranquility to the troubled heart. This is what we learn from what Jesus says there in John 14, 1. Trust give tr gives tranquility to the troubled heart. Jesus exhorts the disciples to trust during the Passion Week. It's the Last Supper, and he's just finished washing his disciples' feet in John chapter 13, 5 through 20. Now he cleanses them with his words. And we see he reflects on that in John 15, 3. And part of the cleansing of the word is this exhortation for our hearts not to be troubled and for us to trust in God and to trust also in Him. So He is he's speaking this words, these words which cleanse us and wash us from worries and cares and anxieties. Now, putting this into context, Jesus calls his disciples to trust in a very troubling time. He just told them he was leaving them and that someone would betray him. So this is the context of him saying this, uh, of trusting, trust God, trust also in me. He just said that he was leaving them, that they couldn't, he, he's telling them they couldn't go where he's going. He's also, he also said someone's going to betray him. We find out that that's Judas. And seeming to make matters worse, he revealed that Peter would deny him. So look at this. If you just go one verse back before the chapter starts. Uh, John 13, 36. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. It's more than one verse back. It's a couple, verse, few verses back. And then verse 37, Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Truly, very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And then right after that, he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. <laughs> Do you see there's a bit of a humor in there? Uh, he just says that Peter's going to disown him three times. Of course, that should trouble Jesus, and that should trouble Peter, and that should trouble all the disciples. And yet right after that, he says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You trust in God, trust also in me. So seeming to make matters worse, he revealed that Peter would deny him. Then ironically, he exhorts them not to be troubled. 
But it sure sounds troubling, doesn't it? All the last words that he's speaking to them before he goes to the cross as he's having this last supper with them. Not all of it, but a lot of the words that he's sharing would cause anybody trouble. Being left, uh, denial, betrayal. Jesus is going to suffer. It all sounds very troubling. And yet, Jesus' word is, let your hearts not be troubled. The timing of Jesus' words teaches us that trust is not based on easy circumstances, but on God's incorruptible character. So trust is not based on easy circumstances, but on God's incorruptible character. Amen. And here is what I was talking about last week. I finished a new infographic, What is Trust? And here is an acrostic for trust. And this is one of the messages that the Lord was speaking to me while away. If you are online or later on today, uh, you can download this for free at the Inspiration Fire online store. So it will be available for free for the next seven days. You can get there by going to brisbanefire.com and then just click the Inspiration Fire online store. And then you're going to see it there and you can download it onto your phone, your computer. You can print your own copy. You can use it for Bible studies um, or your own personal use. And so this is the, yeah, this is the latest infographic. So get it at brisbanefire.com. And I hope you enjoy it. We'll go through it now. What is trust? What is trust? And again, it starts with John 14, 1. Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. So this is an acrostic, T-R-U-S-T. The T stands for total. Say that with me, total. The Lord, the Lord wants our whole hearts. The Lord wants our whole hearts. Listen to Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. So trust calls for our whole hearts. And this verse echoes Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5, which is the most important commandment. The most important commandment is love God with all your heart. All, the whole, all. So total, our total hearts, this is what brings our hearts to tranquility and peace and rest. Total. So what is trust? It's total. The R is reliance. It's total reliance. Say with me, reliance. With some conviction. <laughs> reliance. Trust, trust is putting your confidence in God and relying on Him. 
and in the midst of troubling times and troubling circumstances. As Proverbs 3.5 continues, Solomon says, and lean not on your own understanding. That's the New King James Version. Lean not on your own understanding. So trust is the opposite of leaning on our own understanding. Your own understanding is like a decaying wall. And you put your hand on it and it seems okay. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> crashes and falls and then you fall on the floor. So our own understanding is like a decaying wall. But God's is a firm pillar. So we want his understanding. We want his wisdom. We want to lean on and rely on the firmness and the faithfulness of who he is. Amen. When we were going out onto our annual leave, we were trusting God. And Lillian gave us a word, trust me. And I wrote it in my journal. And there was different words. Each one I wrote a little excerpt of it in my journal. And all those words, are, like I said last week, all those words are very important to us because we don't go out and have these holidays because we have all this uh, cash reserve and, oh, okay, we can do this. It's the reason why we do what we do is, first of all, it's something that God has called us to do to rest and just to get uh, alone with him as a family. And also, I feel that as a, a pastor, it's the right thing to do as far as being a pastor. I want the kids not to think, oh, you know, my dad was a pastor. We never went on holidays. We never did anything fun. He was so busy. We had no money. We were, you know, I don't want them to think like that. I want them to have uh, good experiences. Uh, so that's my heart. And then I hear the Father's heart calling to go. But it was, it was a, a venture of trust. And I won't go into all the details, but it was an adventure of trust. And we've had a, several of these adventures of trust over the years. And that morning, as we were about to launch out, I, I felt like God spoke to me, you're doing the right thing. Even though I seemed like, is this the right thing to do? And... I felt like God said it was the right thing. A week into the holiday, the Spanish church contacted me, Miguel and Lolita, and they gave us a generous offering, which covered all the expenses of the trip. There was also, give, there was also some giving from the church, too, to us, to our family personally. All of it combined together helped us and then I was like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. I, don't, I didn't see, you know, how everything was going to happen. But, Lord, I'm just relying on you, trusting in you. And so I thank God for the generosity of you. And I'm also remembering a time where, you know, when my mom was passing away. My mom is passing away, and I, I'm going to... You know, I need to see her. It's the last couple weeks. But I didn't have the funds to go to the States. I remember Lillian coming over, giving me an envelope, which was a real blessing. And the whole church chipped in. 
uh, also, and every, it covered all the tickets, but then there was more there was more money left over, and I was like, there's more money left over. I'm not used to that. <laughs> well, it turned out I had to make another trip back. That's when my mom passed, passed away. All the, everything that was given was exactly what was needed. Hallelujah. And at that time with my mom, that last couple of weeks was so special to me. And I thank God that the generosity of God's people to make, make it happen. So the whole journey of, uh, well, first, you know, my journey uh, leaving New York and going to Pensacola to be a part of the revival, I was trusting God. I was leaving home, leaving what I knew, leaving the, the business world and the opportunities in New York uh, after I graduated university and doing something that would seem uh, silly in the world's eyes, Oh, let's study the Bible <laughs> after, after spending, you know, heaps of money on education uh, in the U.S. Um, and in one of the imp important business schools. And uh, let me here leave that behind. So that was trust. I was following God trusting. And then I met Anna there. And then it was coming over here to meet her family. Well, it took trust. <laughs> meet a family. And I was a real fish out of water when I came. <laughs> I, ate, I ate totally wrong, you know. The, I ate that New York way, American way. And I saw that they were eating with their forks turned upside down. I was like, what's wrong with these people? I was really clueless back then. They're eating with their forks upside down and putting it in the mouth. What is, and I, I couldn't get my head around it. Well, that's the English way of eating. The Canadians eat like that too. I didn't realize that. So, and they were watching me eat and they were like, what? what? So, yeah, so we use, so, uh, so the whole family is observing me at the table, eating. <laughs> eating like this. And then I went back and we, we got engaged. And then it was trusting God to come over here and respond to his call to plant the church and ministry. That took trust. And then when we started the Bible school, that took trust. And every, basically every step took trust. And I can't say it gets easier. <laughs> I thought, does this get easier? But what happens is you go through a lot of difficult things in life, and it, trusting is not always easy. It's not even, you know, sharing the, uh, the word of God. It's not like it just uh, it happens. It takes trust to share the word of God. I still come with fear and trembling, but God has always been faithful. And my goal and Anani's goal is to rely on him. So T, total our reliance and you upon our, upon our saviors, that's the S, U-S, upon our saviors, 
The T is trustworthiness. But let's look at the U here. So we have trust is total reliance upon our Savior's trustworthiness. So let's look at the U, upon our. We place our trust on the solid ground of Yahweh's character. Even though the things that God calls us to often look ridiculous and silly and they don't make sense to other people and sometimes we are persecuted or attacked because of it, but we still have to put our trust on Yahweh's character and what he says and what his word says. So we place our trust on the solid ground of Yahweh's character. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. Proverbs 18.10, the New King James Version. Let me read that again, and I'll expand it there. The name, personality, character, and nature of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Hallelujah. So reflecting on the name of God, it's his personality. It's his character. It's his nature. It's like a strong tower. God's character, his personality, his nature, all of his attributes are a strong tower, and we run into it, and that's why I have a tower here, and that's why we started with the lighthouse tower in the beginning. We have that stick figure running to the tower. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. So... Uh, Proverbs 18.10. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10. Thanks for asking. So trust is total reliance upon our saviors. Our savior is Jesus Christ. He has proven himself by coming to us, dying on the cross, and triumphantly rising from the dead. So our God is trustworthy even when our faith is as humble as a mustard seed. And this is something I might speak about more next week. I think I'm going to spend a few weeks on trust. I'll see how the Lord leads us, but I think so. Because there's more that I want to share than I am able to share just in this one message. Oh, did I read the wrong one? Oh, yeah, but I read, what did I? All right, let me go back to the S. Uh, and I think I skipped one, one line. <laughs> so let's go back to saviors and let me read this again. Our Savior is Jesus Christ. He has proven himself by coming to us, dying on the cross, and triumphantly rising from the dead. We have seen and testified. Oh, this should be in quotes here. That's a... Uh, there should be a quote there. We have seen, this is First John 4, 14. We have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. First John 4, 14. So here John is saying, we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. He is our Savior. So the last thing is the T, the trustworthiness. So here we have trust is total reliance upon our Savior's trustworthiness. Our focus should not be on the strength of our trust, but on the faithfulness of the one we trust. 
Our God is trustworthy even when our faith is as humble as a mustard seed. Yeah, I think I skipped over to that one in before. But here it is. Our God is trustworthy even when our faith is as humble as a mustard seed. So it's not... Our, our trust is meant to be with all of our hearts. But we ourselves are weak. We are putting ourselves on the foundation that can never crumble and never crack, and that is God himself. It's his trustworthiness. God is trustworthy. Our faith is based on his trustworthiness. So even though our faith may be a bit shaky at times, it is all based on his trustworthiness, and our faith becomes solid as we are standing on that solid rock, his trustworthiness, his faithfulness, that he is trustworthy, that he keeps his word, that he follows through, that he doesn't say something and change it, but he says something, he promises that, and he does it, and that he is victorious in the end. So let's say this together. What is trust? Total reliance upon our Savior's trustworthiness. Amen. This is something I showed before, and this is my translation of Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Rely on Yahweh with all your heart. Do not support yourself with your own understanding. Throughout your journey, Pursue knowing him. He will straighten, smooth, and level your way. And here, I wanted to really put that weight of pursuing knowing him. The yada in Hebrew, which often is translated acknowledged in, in this verse, but it's really acknowledged as, I find, too weak a word to really communicate what the Hebrew is saying. And so that's why I have pursue knowing him. And the thing is, the more you know him, the more you realize he is faithful and trustworthy, and your trust grows. So the more you know him, the more you see that he's faithful, the more your trust grows. And so in that way, it should become easier. <laughs> what's tough is that our flesh is weak and grows weary, and that's why we continually need to rely on Yahweh. And he, we need to rely, him, rely on Him for the trust that we need. Because <laughs> the trust that we need is uh, not to be manufactured in ourselves, but it's to come from Him. He is even supporting our faith. He's supporting us. And it doesn't matter how old you are in the Lord, you still need to rely on Yahweh. We never grow independent of God. The more we grow in God, the more interdependent we are on Him. The more dependent we are on Him, we are entwined with Him. So coming to an end here, what happens when you trust in God and what happens when you don't? 
Jeremiah 17, 5 through 8 gives us the answer. So let's turn over there. We'll reflect on this for a few minutes. Jeremiah 17, 5 through 8. Good to hear all the children in the park playing. And thankfully, they're not having a loudspeaker playing music right next to us. <laughs> I think that was my last message, official message, was the... They set up camp right next to us, and they had a loudspeaker playing all this music. And, but God got us through that. <laughs> Jeremiah 17, 5. Now, it starts off with a sober warning. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man. Cursed is the one who trusts in man. Now, let me just reflect on the word curse. Uh, cursed, because uh, there is about five, I think it's about five or six Hebrew words, somewhere from four to six Hebrew words that are translated as cursed in English. Uh, it's like some of the translators became a little bit lady, lazy, and all these words, all these different words always translated as uh, cursed. But I want to explain what this is specifically meaning here is that the sense of it is that God opposes. He opposes the one. Uh, he is uh, resisting. He's resisting the one who trusts in man. So there's an opposition that comes from God when you trust in man. So here, cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh and whose heart turns away from the Lord. So we can trust in man, we can trust in ourselves, we can trust in human beings, or we can trust in the Lord. Now, the, also one of the pictures of being cursed is everything is withering and dying, and it's death and decay and destruction. It's another picture of cursed. And that's what happens when people trust in themselves and trust in other people rather than trusting in the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wasteland. So here, Jeremiah then describes a very vivid picture, poetic picture of one who trusts in man or human beings. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. So a very bleak picture, right? But what about those who trust in the Lord? Verse 7 gives the answer here. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. But blessed, this is happy and satisfied and fulfilled. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord whose confidence is in him. So it explains it a bit more. It uh, intensifies the meaning. It, it just expands the meaning there in the Hebrew parallelism here. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence, confidence, say confidence. confidence, confidence is in him. I love that song that Anna sings. That's your song, right? Confidence in the blood. And then here's a vivid picture portrayed. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought 
and never fails to bear fruit. Amen? Do you see that? It says here, it has no worries in a year of drought. So in a troubling time, a difficult time, and every time I put on the news, it's been going on for so long. Oh, the inf inflation. Oh, the interest rates are going up. Oh, the inflation is going up. Oh, the economy is about to collapse. Uh, everybody's warning. And, and I could say some stuff from an economic point of view, but I'm not going to get into that now. I'm just going to stick to the... Thank, <laughs> Hannah says, thank you. <laughs> but I, I feel the pressure. Everybody feels the pressure of that. But here is something, but we live in a different economy. If you are a kingdom citizen, you live in a different economy. Especially if you're giving to the Lord, it opens you up to the kingdom realm, the kingdom economy. So yes, we're in this world and we're affected by this world, but we have a, a, an economy which is based on giving and receiving. It's based on sowing and reaping. It's based on faith and trust. And so, because we trust in the Lord, we don't worry in a year of drought. And we think of Isaac who sowed when, when everything was, uh, he sowed in a time where there was a famine, but he still sowed. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Amen. Amen. But then we have a verse right after that. Can I reflect on that? Do we have it? You have a few seconds? The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Now, I want to say something about this because in salvation, God changes our hearts. He takes the hard heart out. He takes the deceitful heart out and he places in a heart, a pure heart. But we do need to guard that heart. And also, we are always living with our sinful nature, which tries to come and, and corrupt our heart. So we should not think as believers that our hearts are deceitful because God has changed our hearts. But we do have to guard our hearts and remember the message of the book of Hebrews that we would keep on encouraging one another so that our hearts would not grow hard. So there is a call for us to guard our hearts. The heart is deceitful above all things, yes, and beyond cure, but the cure it's talking about is a human cure. Our hearts cannot be cured by relationships and by marriage and by a better job and by more money and by more stuff. Our hearts cannot be cured by those things. Our hearts cannot be cured by anything temporal or human. But God, he is the great physician, and he can cure our hearts. That is the message of the good news. Take a ghost pill. Yeah, take a ghost pill. 
<laughs> Thank you for your humor. <laughs> so yes, without God, our, without God, our hearts are corrupted and deceptive, but we, if we receive God's salvation, which gives us a new heart, create in me a new heart, O oh God. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. And we know that the message of the good news is God changing our hearts, transforming our hearts. So if you need salvation, God is able to cure, but man can't. If you trust in man, man can't cure. Doctors can't cure this. Only the Savior, Jesus Christ, can cure the heart. And then sometimes even as believers, our heart our hearts get hard, and so that's why we need to guard it and ask God to continually, continually make our hearts soft. Make my heart soft. Make my heart responsive. And what I'm teaching you is that trust is relying on God continually, even for our hearts all the time and all throughout the day. So we wake up in the morning. We need to rely on God. We're getting... Our morning routine, we need to rely on God, getting our stuff done in our morning routine. We get out into our uh, workplaces, we need to rely on God. We come home, we're feeling weak and tired, we need to rely on God. We're, with, we're up with the kids four times at night. That's our story last night. <laughs> Just so that we can relate to all those who have toddlers. <laughs> we were up four times last night. We need to rely on God. And so there's a continual need for us to rely on God throughout our lives. Trust is scary. And this is the last slide, the last words. Trust is scary because God is invisible. And he leads us into the unknown. But it's worth it. Trust produces genuine and everlasting fruit. That is what Jeremiah is saying. That it's fruitful. That it causes our roots to go down deep. That we become like a tree that's not affected by the circumstances around us in the world or even our, our, what's happening in our own families. But trust produces genuine and everlasting fruit. So it's scary. Yes, it's scary at times. Uh, maybe scary all the time. Because <laughs> God is leading us in the unknown, but here we need to trust Him that He knows what He's doing. But it's worth it. It is worth it. So, Father, we want to thank You for what Jesus said. Trust in God. Trust also in me. And He also said, Do not let your hearts be troubled. And there's often trouble affecting our hearts. But help us to trust and rely, totally rely on you. And keep on encouraging one another to rely on you. Father, I'm not above this message. Anna's not above this message. We also need encouragement. We also need your word. And we need to feed on your faithfulness continually as a congregation we want to feed on your faithfulness lord in everything that 
different people are going through. We have Peter and Tina and what they are going through with their family. Help them to trust in you and let them see your divine comfort. Everything that Daniel and Diane are going through and grace. We pray for a quick healing and restoration, but also a divine trust in their hearts as a gift from you. And that even in this time, there would be much fruit. And Lord, as we're leading up to the Bible school and the unknown of a new semester and a new renovation, we're putting all these things in your hand that everything would work and come together and the students would come from the north, south, east, and west and that you would bless that upcoming semester and pour out your spirit as you've given us this name, the outpouring. But without your outpouring, Lord, we are nothing. So pour out your spirit upon us. Strengthen us, renew us. We run into you. So right now as we're in God's presence, I want to encourage you to see in your mind you running into the tower of the Lord, His name. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. To see yourself running into that tower. Lord, we just run into you, who you are, because you're a refuge, you're a stronghold, you're a tower. And all of our cares and worries, we want to put it, put it at your feet. Amen. Well, just before we end, I'd like to do one song of worship. Is that okay? One song? Where it's not too late. Also, remember the tithes and offerings. And we have, we have information at the tithes and offerings if you want to give online. And if you can go to brisbanefire.com and go to the give page and give online if you're, if you're online. And that really helps. So it's brisbanefire.com. That really helps. Uh, helps and is a blessing.